Welcome to Mark These Words, an AEW podcast. Whoa, we have a title? We have a title. And it was We have a title. It was gifted to us this week during Dynamite. Tully Blanchard. Thank you, Tully. Mark these words. So Tony and Alan are here, here to talk Dynamite, episode three, but first under the official name, Mark These Words. So I love it. Tony, we have a name. The pedal is to the floor, and I gotta say, the St. Patrick's Day Slam was a great success, in my opinion. I, it definitely was a success. You can't look at it as anything but a success. I do have some uh, tap-outs in this episode. It was kind of a slow start for Old Tone, but my goodness, the last hour was fire. And I know we want to save the main event for our main event, but can I just say, I put Britt Baker in my top five in the debut of this show. And I got some guff from some listeners. There's some people that reached out and say, well, she's a great character, but she ain't a great wrestler, blah, 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 blah. There's so many other ones. Britt Baker stole the goddamn show. Britt Baker is the most talked about wrestler in the world right now because of what happened last night. That's my top five. That's my doctor. I love her. And I hope she's okay because, goddamn it, she got killed. Yes, and tell your listeners that in the world of pro wrestling, fandom is not, you know, there's no science behind it. You like who you like. It doesn't matter if they're the best worker, they're the best character. You're attached to who you're attached to. So anyone who gives you guff over who your favorites are, just tell them to shove it. Just tell them, <laughs> just tell them there's no room for that there. And tell them to mark these words that you're going to like who you like. And that is that. You love this title. Love the title. It made me laugh when he said, instead of mark my words, mark these words. So I knew that, these words. that had to be our podcast title. But we'll get to the main event. But let's, you know... Everyone in the crowd had green on. It was St. Patrick's Day, and we will we will start with the the opening little thing before the opening match. MJF got off a jet plane with his Loved new it. crew. What a great Loved way it. to kick off the MJF era. We will talk about what it's more permanently defined as in a little bit, but that was a great way to kick us off, leading right into our first match, picking up off the rivalry formed at the pay-per-view, and then again on Dynamite, Penta versus Cody. Tony, what did you think? Uh, well, we talked about how excited we were for this last week, and I, I, you know, how much I love Cody, how much I love Penta. Excited to see them both go after it, and I have to say, this match was a disappointment to me. Um, I really liked Penta's. Like Penta's so funny, and he's so naturally comical when he's out there. He's putting the hat on from one of the crowds, and he's making faces to the camera and stuff. I just wanted this to be more. Uh, more like the the main event that we saw that night. Not to say that these guys needed to be bloody, but both of these guys can bring it in such a violent and dangerous way, and I thought this was a very slow-paced and kind of WWE-style match. Like, we knew that this wasn't the finish, that we knew this wasn't the end to this uh, rivalry, and this just felt like a 20-minute placeholder, all to set up the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, but I really didn't enjoy myself, and this was probably my least favorite part of Dynamite. Interesting. See, I didn't mind it, and the finish especially, because they made a thing of it, Pentagon, Penta El Cierro Mero. I'm just going to call him Penta from here on out. Please do. Penta was showboating the entire match, yep. l leading to what I, I think our first podcast profile picture should be, and that's him in a little green leprechaun hat staring dead on into the camera which is an image i will never forget in my entire <laughs> life but 
they worked the shoulder. You know, it was a case of Penta being very cocky, very very confident, and he he got snuck up and pinned. I didn't mind it. I thought they had a nice chemistry in the ring together. You know, Penta is smaller than you even realize, but he hangs in there with the big guys pretty well. Yeah. And Cody, I think, could, you know, wrestle a broomstick and make something of it. Not that Penta is. I'm just saying these two guys are obviously going to have good chemistry together, and they did. I want to see it go a little further. I don't think this is done, but the fact that the post-match attack kind of swayed more towards a and something I'm going to tap out on until it's finally over, and that's the QT Marshall storyline, which bores me to tears. I hate to say it. So I'd like to see it be Penta-centric and not American Nightmare Family or Nightmare Family-centric. So I'm a little hesitant, but post-match, I laughed out loud when they cut to the crowd after the attack, (laughs) and Penta was in a different leprechaun hat in the crowd. Openly laughed out loud. So I'm, I'm... tagging in on all wacky things penta that make me laugh while still keeping up the death skeleton persona but tapping out of the nightmare family storyline taking precedent over penta versus cody i just think these guys can tell a much more violent and dangerous story and i think that's what they're built for and that's what i want to see out of this rivalry and yeah uh, I hate to tell you this. I'm, I feel the same way as you, Alan, but just strap in. We're going to get at least a month of QT Marshall storyline coming. Well, it's just going to happen. I think it has to do with his personal relationship with Cody, that he's going to get this TV time and stuff. But to me, he is just not the most exciting performer at this moment. You know, I'm always open to change. No one is ever... At any moment. Come on, Alan. I know you got you got to be the baby face here, but at any moment. QT, there's 70 people in the back I'd rather see than QT Marshall than a wrestling record. And that's a fair assessment. Moving on. We got through that, and then we get to a backstage segment with the champion Young Bucks ver- uh, against Don Callis. It was kind How did you of like a- this? I did, too. I, yeah. I thought this was one of the ones where Callis was on point. Yes, absolutely. He had a drive. He had a determination. He, I think he's always better rather than... I mean, this helps for any actor. You know, when rather than talking to the world, when you're talking to someone and you're t- directing your actions at a certain person or a certain object, then you're always more driven. Rather than just saying, we're the greatest in the world and, you know, my champion can't be beaten. That, that, gets, that gets flat fast. But when you're attacking somebody the way he attacked the Young Bucks, that's always more interesting. And I want to see, the, I want to see what Callis is asking for. I want to see the Young Bucks of old. I mean, the Young Bucks were sort of, you know, they played their roles for a while. I kind of wanted them to turn a little bit evil and a little bit heel with the Good Brothers coming in. Clearly, that's not the road they're going to go down. But I'm excited to see the Young Bucks sort of break out of their shell and start breaking people's faces. Don't get me wrong. The Young Bucks are still aces in the ring. But yeah, they're better as heels. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who would doubt that. When they are the showboating, like, dickheads, for lack of a better term, they are the best tag team on the planet. They, you know, I think there's a certain aspect of wrestling where most people work better as heels than babyface. They are no exception. You know, it's, I agree. I want to see that mean streak. And if anything, I know they're not going to turn heel anytime soon, but if they can bring a certain fire like a certain no-holds-barred mentality to this upcoming Good Brothers rivalry, which I hope does not trounce what they're doing with the with um, Pac and Phoenix. I'm hoping that 
they at least show some anger and frustration. I guess my point is I'm hoping they settle this Good Brothers thing before the Death Triangle match. Yeah, we, we were almost there. They were kicking Marvez in the face not too long ago. Like, I want those young bucks back, those sort of, you know, you never know what you're going to get out of them. Tony Schiavone might lose his cell phone. Like, I want those young bucks back. Yeah, I, I agree. But I liked this promo. I thought it was fun, and it made me interested in seeing the Good Brothers get their teeth kicked in. Yeah. Then we go to the first ever singles match for one Jade Cargill versus Danny Jordan, which is like last week, another beautiful jobber spot. Yep. Which I'm a huge fan of. And for a very green but very motivated character and wrestler, Jade Cargill, I think there's a bright future there, especially if they use her as the monster she is. That's a thing. Like she is physically a marvel, so and they're playing up to that role completely. Um I was it was news to me that last week or the Shaq match was her first ever match in general like I didn't know how exactly new she was and apparently you know she is as new as me and you to step into a wrestling ring so good for her for showing off because it's not easy even when you're the monster it's not easy to pull off a singles match like that on your own so and she did it the one thing I will say and I hope this changes I'm not sure I like her finish that little uh, drop down face plant thing she German suplexed this girl right before, and it was the scariest looking really like that. Like, do something like that. Show off your power. Show off your strength. Give me something that's a little bit more violent than the sort of, you know, they give that uh, that finish to like a Mandy Rose or Alana when they can't really do anything else. Well, that was Beth Phoenix's finish. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree. When your character does moves that look more painful than your finish, maybe reevaluate what your finish is. That German suplex made me gasp. That was that was intense. That was intense. Like she, she chucked, chucked that girl her. across the ring, and, yes. I, and and knowing the AEW women's roster, she can do that to every single woman. On like her versus Nyla Rose would be awesome. Yeah, and in the upcoming rivalry with Red Velvet singles wise, I think the right move will be to have Velvet be the scrappy babyface, but Cargill ultimately win and move on to, you know, down the road that title picture. And like the main event, I'll be praying for Red Velvet's health and well being. So, moving on to what what I thought should have been saved for the midpoint of the show, but came a little earlier, and that was the debut of Pinnacle, MJF's Four Horsemen-like group, which features Tully Blanchard, who, mark these words... Mark these words, Tully. ...had a part in the promo. Wardlow, FTR, and Sean Spears. The they chairman. Make up, they make up Pinnacle, MJF, who needs to work on his tanning a little bit. He had a very spotty tan. <laughs> a friend of mine sent me a screenshot of his ear being orange and his <laughs> neck being white. But I, I I, think it's, it was a very motivated, powerful promo from a heel who's ready to take that next step. He put over everyone in his group, yep. made them all feel like a million bucks, and that's you can't ask for anything more. He points out that he's only 24 years of age in the promo, and that is scary. And, Tony, we've got to get going on what we accomplish in life. What are you talking about? I'm still 20, <laughs> 24, 25. Last seven, eight years have not counted. My hairline is not receding. There is no gray hair. I am in the prime shape of my life. The world is my oyster. I don't know what you're talking about. Good to know that you're the Samantha Jones of this podcast. <laughs> I will often try to drop references to isolate our audience, but hopefully there's a few out there that get it and laugh for five seconds. Zero. Zero people <laughs> will get it. But uh, as for the pinnacle, as for the entrance into this group, I thought it was pretty, pretty great. 
Um, I'm going to eat everything up that this group does. MJF, I mean, he can get a little Don Callisy when he's talking on the microphone where he just keeps going and going and going. But again, we're going to give him the leash because it's time to see what this kid can do. Uh, and, I, you know, Sean Spears being the chairman, if he's the full-out bully and Wardlow's going to be more of the, the, like, the guy they keep, you know, break in case of emergency, uh, I'm okay with that. And FTR is awesome. I, I will buy anything they do. And I did see online last night, there was a mashup of a, of a few past, like going back almost a year, like MJF when he's doing that uh, political discussion with Jericho, a promo that he did, an FTR promo when they first entered the, the AEW rankings when they had the titles. And each one of these mentioned talking points that happened in this promo that we saw on Wednesday. And all of them included the word pinnacle, FTR calling themselves the pinnacle, FTR calling like someone else the pinnacle, and, and MJF too saying, I'm going to be here for the next 25 years because this is the pinnacle of wrestling. So I don't know if this is, you know, by chance, if this is planned out, but boy, oh boy, if we could get an inkling, just a tiny little inkling of long-term storytelling in a wrestling program that we watch, that'll be enough for me. I'll be happy as a clam. Pinnacle all the way. Can I buy a t-shirt yet? I'll tell you what, hopefully it has that cool logo on it. They they put up their logo on the Inner Circle locker room towards the end of the episode. It yep. was pretty pretty cool. I'm in it. Yeah, I, I am I am tagging in to the Pinnacle. Absolutely, I'm tagging into the Pinnacle. I want to be the sixth member. Or I and guess you know what? seventh if Tully's the sixth. If Tully gets in the ring occasionally, we're like, what are we doing? I'm the pinnacle all the way. Can't wait. Love it. Love it. And I hope they don't break up for a while. Like Inner yeah. Circle. AEW did a great job of keeping Inner Circle together for a long time. And they're back together as originally. Yes. Yes. So it's it's good. It's good. We didn't get an Inner Circle this week, but I'm, it was Pinnacle's time to shine. I'm fine Made with sense. it. sense. Yep. So now we are going to the 10-man tag team match to set up the new power group that Matt Hardy is forming to eventually take down Hangman and the Dark Order, which includes Private Party, The Butcher, The Blade, and on the side, The Bunny, and they took on Jurassic Express and Bear Country. And Tony, I'm tapping out of this match. You I'm going to be honest. Buddy. Me too, buddy. Let me explain why. So... I am completely fine with a match to set up the new Matt Hardy group. What I'm not fine with is them not beating the other team clean enough. Now, I get it. They're heels. Let's keep the ending where Marco Stunt gets isolated. Gin and juice into the, the twist of fate. Beautiful with Hardy stealing the pin because yep. he wants to be. That's all well and good. But everything leading up to that. The miscommunication between Bear Country and Jurassic Express, I think, stole the spotlight from the story of the match a little bit. I think that they are not, you know, Bear Country is just making their dynamite show, showing. They're just showing up. They don't need to be unstoppable yet. You know, no. they're not a monster tag team. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt can eat losses. It will not hurt them. Especially if Marco Stunt's in there. Yes, and Luchasaurus will never take the pin in these situations. So it's understandable. I think you had way too many situations where Bear Country and Jungle and Jurassic Express were getting in each other's way instead of them just not being as good a team as Hardy. Because you want to believe that the Hardy supergroup can beat a hodgepodge team no matter what. Yep. So I'm down for the ending, which was Hardy stealing the glory. And the, by the way, early in the match, I, the best maybe ever side effect matt hardy ever delivered to jungle boy it was awesome but 
you got to have them go over relatively clean and still have the Healy finish where Hardy's stealing the glory. That's got to be the story you told there. So I think there was just a little bit too much booking in this match. I agree with you. I agree with you utterly and completely. And also, I think the story, just to add on and not belabor this point, I think the story of Bear Country versus Jurassic Express, the seeds were already planted in the Casino Battle Royale, so much so that they even showed the video of the recap of uh, Luchasaurus being eliminated by Bear Country behind his back before the match even started. So again, I don't need to see the story twice. Like, if, if you're going to tell that story on a dynamite pay-per-view and then a week later these guys are going to be teaming together, that's a little odd to me. Like, of why would they team together? They seem to be at odds already. This doesn't make too much sense. So, yeah, I think they were trying to tell too much with this story. I'm also tapping out of, uh, you know, I really don't like... I really don't like most of the people in the match on Matt Hardy's side. I really don't. I don't know why. I, I, I think the Butcher is my favorite out of them. And, of course, I'm going to watch anything Matt Hardy does. But I'm not... I hate to be a naysayer on this group, but I'm not too much of a... I'm tapping out probably on the Matt Hardy, Big Baller brand. I think I like them a little bit more than you do, but I totally think that what you're saying is completely valid. We need to see more. I don't want to hear Isaiah Cassidy's high-pitched scream when he gets thrown in the air anymore. I mean, there is a... You know, you have to suspend disbelief when you're watching this wrestling. And there is stuff that makes a, a gymnasium pop, and there are stuff that makes an arena pop. And the stuff that Cassidy does is not making an arena pop, in my opinion. It will never make an arena pop. So, You are a harsh critic yep. with the private party. Moving on, we get the backstage promo setting up the match between the Good Brothers, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley. This was another example of clearly just one take of a promo. Yeah, and... you cannot get these guys to do a second take. <laughs> <laughs> and I also I also would gather that if you gave these guys two minutes, they're filming five. I'll say two things. I I I I love the creative freedom these guys get, but there's gotta be reins because Moxley says No, Eddie Kingston says, How are you feeling? Moxley goes, Ask me how I'm feeling, and they go on this bit about how oh, they're already on the same page. <laughs> While it's nice to think that they're improvising and free flowing, that felt like they messed up, yeah. which is different. There's a difference. So I love their chemistry together. I think their friendship's hilarious, and I hope we get more of it. Just clean it up. Clean up the uh, backstage promos because a lot of what they said was funny. You had the Google, a lot of WWE-esque stuff in there, name-calling, blah, blah, blah. But it was funny enough, and then Kingston got serious with it, and I could listen to Eddie Kingston read the phone book. So yeah. I'm I'm. I'm in, but I just want to see it cleaned up a little bit because I feel like with a little more polish, it could be even even better. Yep. So that sets up – well, you know what? Let's go right to the match, and then we'll get back yeah, to yeah. something else they did. So you had the tag team match, which <sighs> I got to be honest with you. I love Mox, but I also can't stand Dean Ambrose, right? We've talked about this. <laughs> yep. And this felt a little Dean Ambrose-y because he had – what looked like you know those old school like the bar in between the shoulder <laughs> and the bicep when when the guy like is like broken in half it's 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 like a cast he, the guy was wrapped up unbelievably for his shoulder and arm and he's throwing monster clotheslines he's no selling it and the 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 announcers are doing their best to cover for him going yeah. wow this is just uh, adrenaline he's just how is he doing this but come on like that it didn't make sense if you're gonna have the guy wrapped up like that 
make it so that it, it's utilized. Or else don't do it. We don't uh, care. Well, we saw As it in the Cody match. We saw it in the Cody match. Cody could not do a bunch of shit because his left shoulder was taped up for a match that happened like three, four weeks ago. And that was the whole story of the whole entire build. I'm right there with you, my guy. So I'm saying use that. Um, what I thought was the standout here, there were two things. One, the Good Brothers finally feel like they're getting back to the team that made them world-renowned before they signed with WWE. They were dangerous. You, they were dangerous. Luke Gallows, when he's not jokey, seems to be one of the scariest men in the world. Yeah. Or Doc Gallows. I don't know. No, Luke Gallows. No, he's Luke. Still. Yeah, he's okay. Luke. So he is a scary man. And, yeah. you know, Machine Gun being able to call himself Machine Gun goes a long way just to, like, creating an aura. So they're starting to peak a little bit in the North American market. Let's put it that way. Definitely. And the other thing I really liked was post-match Kenny Strutt to the ring. He's awesome. Which, you know, uh, really good. greatness. The chair stuff always looks bittersweet because you don't know what it really does, but it sounds and looks good. Yeah. So they they cinch Eddie Kingston's ankle. They uh, attempt to just flat-out kill John Moxley on television. (laughs) Yeah, decapitate him. Yes, and then the Young Bucks come out and... They go up for the two sweet. They no sell. They say no thank you, and they walk off. I would say the post match stuff was the highlight of this segment. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And that's was a trend for most of the first like hour and a half of Dynamite, which is why I kind of tapped out on the episode till the very end. But uh, I will say, Kenny at one point after everything's done, he's now rolled out to the ring, his shirts off, and he has a shoe. Uh, I think it's Kingston's shoe. And he just says to the camera, there's no microphone, but the camera catches. He just goes, the shoe's on the other foot now. And I just, <laughs> I love Kenny. He's such a weirdo. I love him to death. He is such a weird dude. And I'm so happy he's where he is. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the man. Like, there's no doubt about it. I have completely warmed up to him as my champion. Like, I am down. I am down. Now, do you think Kingston's gone? I think he's I think we're going to get a case of him limping and not quitting in a in a match. Yeah. Like, just not, you know, the best version of it ever was Dolph Ziggler versus Alberto Del Rio uh, with the concussion storyline. It was the double turn where Dolph went from heel to face, Del Rio from face to heel, where Dolph just couldn't get up in the match. Like, he just couldn't get up and fight. I see something like that coming with Eddie where he's going to fight Omega and just get obliterated but die trying. Yeah. I think Mox is back, though. I don't, I don't see them writing him off for a while now. I, I know, just, surprisingly. You know, it doesn't make sense. And you got two characters now who have babies on the way, but one is being booked to be. You know, right now it's written for Cody to eventually be written off to handle his baby, his baby's birth, but not Moxley. So I don't know what they're going to do. Now, if QT Marshall is the reason Cody gets written off. I, I'll be tapping out live. <laughs> um, so we get to the promo by Christian. Christian Cage finally speaks. And I got to be honest with you. I was expecting another swerve. I was expecting another. We will finally hear from him only to not hear from him mm. for whatever reason. But I'm glad because I liked what he had to say. And he yep. addressed all the elephants in the room. Yep. The old guy taking the young guy's spot the why he is of value to those who are watching he covered it all he's a great talker and you know he's going to put over omega so i also like that they he said i haven't earned it yet 
Yep. And he's going to go through a bunch of squashes where he wins, which will build him up for Kenny Omega. So I'm down for the game plan. I am too, because we were talking in the beginning of this show how, you know, uh, so-and-so is going to turn heel, and this guy's better when he's a heel. We want the Young Bucks to turn heel. In my opinion, there aren't enough pure baby faces in AEW right now, and I think Christian can hold that role at the highest of the level in this in this promotion. I think he can be the foil to all these great heels that we're getting. I agree. I love him. I'm so excited. And a great catchphrase, outwork everyone. That's a that's yeah, a blue well, I don't know about it's, that. It's a blue collar working man catchphrase. Definitely. So I am fine with that. Now we get to the what seems like weekly Tony Schiavone Sting Darby Allen promo, which nonstop. It, it's fine. There was some good stuff here. There so, was, but that is, I'm right there with you on what you said last week. No one knows when to stop. No one knows when to end. And it's like, all right, we, me and you are both former actors, and we're sitting here, and we've taken all these classes and all this bullshit, and we sit there, and the, the, the game they like to play is like you have an imag- imaginary ball in your hands, and your partner is on stage with you, and you're literally playing catch with them. So sometimes you can't just hold on to this proverbial ball and keep it away from your partner. Sometimes you have to loft it up so your partner can hit it out of the park, and that's where the laugh comes from. Nobody plays together as a team when they have the micro. Some of them do, don't get me wrong. But no one, especially even Tony Schiavone, no one plays together as a team when they do these bits. And I don't know, sometimes they get clouded and cl- uh, it hurts the whole product. There were two things we knew for sure. We knew Team Taz was going to come out Fucking and we knew Taz. Lance Archer. We knew Lance Loved Archer Cage, was by the way. We'll Love get to it. Ca- okay, okay, so sorry. We'll get to it. I want to go, go step by step. So I'm tagging in to the... TNT Open Challenge. Yes. Darby Allen saying he's going to be a fighting champ, which will begin next week. Although, where's Scorpio Sky? But we'll get to that, too, because he has a little video package coming up. But, okay, so I'm in on Darby. Yep. There was no need to have Sting out there until the cage thing. <laughs> he like, didn't say anything. It, he didn't say – I don't know. I don't he think was he wearing said, an ill-fitting <laughs> long sleeve black T-shirt. He looked the <laughs> oldest he's ever looked. So Darby he looked like issues. he should be behind a fold-up table signing an autograph. That's what he looked uh, like. So he should be called Stung. You know, okay, so then Lance Archer comes out. Much more calculated Lance Archer than last week. Yes. And he gives way to Jake, who I was nervous for a hot minute there. <laughs> I didn't know what he was going to say. And he dropped the, you forgot your hot dog bun, you weenie boy. <laughs> The second title for this show. We almost, until Tully came out, that was going to be our title. The Hot Dog Bun by Tony and Alan. I had no idea what he meant. I thought he was calling him a hot dog. Like, all you do is hot dog, but then he goes, you're a weenie boy. And <laughs> it was I just, great. I lost it. It was great. It was a great grandfatherly insult. It took seven <laughs> minutes to get there, and the joke was a pun. It was, that's, that's what he wants. I was down, and then they got out of there, and then Taz came out. By the way, there was no heel or face entrance this week everyone came out of everywhere it was <laughs> well yeah yes and no keep going well then taz comes out and cage immediately cuts him off and has a face promo is honoring honoring sting it was great. and a guy like cage taking the situation under his hands needs to happen like if he wants to speak for himself he's a monster he is the i would say he is one of the three most effective monster types in the company. 
I agree. And we don't need him to be a full face. I like the idea of like honoring Sting and saying you're a legend, you're the icon. I was fine with all of that. Do I also want to see him go one-on-one with Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks? Yeah, I do. So I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, you said we need more baby faces. Maybe Cage could be that guy. I'm but okay I do, with it. I'm okay with it, but I, I think he's another one who's great as a heel. But I, I dug the meat of the soup. But yes. the broth, the broth tasted a little funky, but the meat was delicious. No, I'm right there with you. And if Darby Allen Allen continues this, you know, TNT Open Challenge, and at some point becomes the face in peril and needs a buddy, it can't always be Sting. I wouldn't mind Brian Cage running down and throwing a, throwing around like uh, Matt Hardy's team when Matt Hardy tries to get the upper hand on Darby Allen. I like Cage in this turn. I really did, and I think it was it, uh, it made sense. Like, it wasn't out of nowhere. It made sense. He shook a guy's hand after a match, so to speak. He saw a legend, fought a legend, and said he's a legend. I think it it was a good move for Brian Cage's character. Really put over Sting. Absolutely. There's no better way to say this legend has still got it than a monster character saying you've still got it. Absolutely. From the, from the other side of the coin. Really nice stuff there. So then we get to the Scorpio Sky package, which just feels like... A fart in the wind, to, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. See, like, I actually like the package. I, I, I thought it made sense. I like him. I think he's getting a raw deal. I think he should yeah. have won the belt last week. But now you're doing that thing where he'll lose. He'll says he's, it's, it's what happened to my boy Dolph over and over again. Says he's the best, loses, continues to say he's the best. Yeah. It doesn't work. But now work. he's going to get violent. Now the tables are going to turn. Now he's going to start being, you know, the real Scorpio Sky. But that should have all... This this package should have been aired before the pay-per-view. Like, I, it's just like... To me, it was like, wow, that's really nice stuff. But what does it matter now? He's already been skunked out of the belt. Wait and see. Maybe that wasn't the belt he's going for. Wait and see. Who knows? I like him. I think he should have won last week. I'm sticking with it. Uh, you know, and, and maybe the TNT maybe, Open maybe he, Challenge will yeah, be... Yeah, maybe he goes and attacks Darby Allen, and that's the guy Brian Cage comes out and starts to beat up. I don't know. I think, I think we're, I'm okay telling this story and letting it bake for a little bit, but I see, I see your point. I mean, he is the face of the revolution. What is to show for it? It's going to be different now, Allen. <laughs> then we get to a, and I will be happy if they keep this going every week, a Ray Phoenix singles match. Like it whether great. it's five seconds, old, whether it's the twenty only thing minutes. I don't like is is Pac on the sidelines because he deserves some singles matches too. Well, yeah, and we don't know if some, maybe he's nursing an injury or something. Could be, it's, yeah. It, it's Phoenix every week. I mean, Pac's out there, but the roll through cutter with the headstand cell, Chef's kiss. <laughs> Just I I popped hard when I saw that. Excellent, excellent. He's awesome. And Angelico, I mean, I've loved him for a while, too, and I, I think to get rid of Jack Evans, I'd like to see Angelico do something on his own because I really think the guy's talented. I think these two make magic together. Love their chemistry in the ring. Hate your pronunciation of Angelico. So sorry. <laughs> it's the Boston in me. So that was great. Uh, Ray Phoenix can do no wrong right now in my book. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Alex Marvez goes up to Miro. Thank you. This is doing... my favorite part of the show. doing his pull-ups and Miro who has seamlessly shown that he can have a personality and still be a killer because when in this promo in this backstage 
he identified that off outside the ring i'm miro i'm the fun guy yep when the light turns on games yeah yeah stay out of my way and he has a drive yeah the the end is next week I hope so. I, I See, I don't hope so because I really like Kip too, and I like their tete-a-tete together. But I will say, Miro had the li- other than Mark these words, Miro had the line of the episode of the whole entire Dynamite when he said, having your wife by your side in the ring is the worst decision you can make for your career. I, I was like, they, I think someone laughed. If you play it back, I think someone laughed off camera and it like, got caught on the TNT cameras because you sold it great. It was perfect. I loved it. Great irony. Just like Perfect. another thing where they take character history, even though it's not the same character. It's like... They know what they're doing. They know they, who their audience is. Yes, it was really nice. And Miro feels like a killer. Like, I talked about Cage being one of the scariest. Miro could easily be in that top three. A couple more weeks, and he's there. Like, he is so, a So next dude. week, it's leading to him and Kip versus uh, Cassidy and uh, uh, Chuck Taylor again. Uh, is that where you're predicting it's all over for the Miro-Kip relationship? Yes, because of the stipulation of the butlership for a lifetime. But right, I could course. also see a situation where Miro just bullies him for a little bit longer, where after every match he beats the crap out of him sort of thing. Now, on Elevation, they teased a little dissension where Miro would not allow Penelope in the ring post-match to celebrate with them. He made her wait on the sideline, and she side-eyed him as hard as possibly she possibly could. So it's are coming. Tell, are you telling me that's where I have to go to get my weekly Penelope fix? Is Evelation? Evelation? What's Elevation? Ev- Elevation? Uh, sorry, I'm the big show. <laughs> well, speaking of which, he was great as a commentator. Was he? Yeah, he was really good. It was definitely his first night, and he was a little nervous. But as the night went on. All he did was try to give information on the performers and put them over. Great. So that's all we ask for as fans. Great. We are we get a preview of next week, which is Nyla Rose versus Ty Conti, FTR and Sean Spears versus the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin of Top Flight, which makes me think maybe the other half of Top Flight is on the shelf right now. Is Dante the older or the younger brother? Don't know. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week. Uh, Darby's... Open challenge will be answered by John Silver of the Dark Order. Can I say something on yeah. that? I understand. First off, I would have liked to wait a week to see who the Dark Order chose to be their person so we could get some suspense. But can I say, I understand John Silver is the internet darling right now. He's the comedy genius. He's the guy everyone likes to see. I would have rather seen someone else in this role because I think Darby can legit go and I think you know you can see a wrestling match with him with almost anybody John Silver is smaller than Darby Allen and I don't think that ever is a good thing for Darby Allen to fight I also don't think John Silver is that interesting in a singles match persona if you're not doing a comedy bit I would have loved to see probably three other Dark Order members in this fight over John Silver I understand why they chose him but I'm not too happy with the choice I'm I'm open minded about it cuz I think Silver has a certain spark when he gets in there that few can rival right now so i'm interested to see i would have also liked to see alex reynolds get his chance in the ring because he's a very good wrestler and i would have liked to see colt cabana do something for the first That'd be time my in a number while. one pick would be colt cabana so i'm right because there with I, I, you. i'm not even a huge colt cabana guy i just think maybe he's injured as well because we haven't seen him in years it seems but that seems like you know brody's passing was a a, a sharp thing for everyone to handle like it's just not you know you could never expect it it's the saddest thing in the world 
but now the Dark Order needs to have a drive and a future. And if there's anyone in that group right now, if they're not going to bring anyone else in, like if they're going to do the hangman, but he's not the leader per se, and you have to have a leader out of that group, I think Colt Cabana's got to be the guy. So I, I agree. I agree. And if they're a comedy group now, he's a comedy wrestler. He can yeah. easily take that mantle. Yeah. I would have liked to see, And he was sitting in the back. I thought they were going to do an all look back to him kind of deal. Yeah. Didn't happen. I would have liked to see it. Um, and then I thought Hangman was going to come out and and take the challenge. But he didn't. He wasn't there. So next week we get Darby versus John Silver, which I think will be, be better than you give it credit for. And then we've got Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel in a championship eliminator match, which to me it sounds like it's a match to if you win, you get a future title shot. Correct? Correct. So he will lose. And... <laughs> I wouldn't give Seidel more than five moves of offense in this entire match, personally. Did, did you see how Seidel got this match? Only in the clip where he kicked a Nakazawa who looked like his pants were down. So His pants were around <laughs> his ankles. And out of, out of context, that was very strange. So thank you for coming, Matt Seidel. I'm happy you were... Uh, I forget what they call the the Joker in the Casino Battle Royale. I'm happy Matt Seidel has come this far as the latest Joker. We get to our main event, which match of the year, in my opinion. It was Thun- awesome. Thunder Rosa versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, in an anything-goes, lights-out, unsanctioned match. Can, before we talk about how great this is, I have to say one thing that really pissed me off. Okay. There was nothing about this match that was lights-out. <laughs> yeah, they said we're going to turn the lights down, and they didn't. There was no, they even, they, not only were there no lights-out, there were entrances— there were there were audience members. There was announcers. There was a commercial break with a picture in picture. So I understand what you're trying to do. You know, sell this match as like the first ever this that or the other thing. There was nothing about this match that was lights out. It you're was right. it was a, it was a no DQ match. You know, it was an awesome, an amazingly awesome match. But nothing about this match was lights out. I would have shut the Titan Tron off. Do the anything. crowd the crowd could have stayed. I would have had the ref in street clothes. Ooh. Uh, the announcers, I get, I get that part, but there are some little tweaks they could have made to make it feel because they have literally done the, anything. They haven't, they didn't do a thing. No, they and they said this was the first. But correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Moxley and Omega have an unsanctioned match? They at had one an unsanctioned point? match, but it wasn't a lights out match. So this so, is the first time you've had a lights out match. But again, nothing changed. Yeah, and that's not on the performers because no, these not at two. All. I'd say these three women. Thank you. Yes. Really just unmatch of the year, in my opinion. And it was exciting. It was dangerous. It was violent. And both the main two, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, felt like they wanted to kill each other. Yep. It was spectacular. It was awesome. It was I, awesome. There's nothing more to say other than it was awesome. A pluses all around. I was... I was at the edge of my seat for most of this match, and they started early. Like, this was a regular wrestling match for about two minutes, and then they yeah. started bringing shit in there, and Rosa got bloody really early with that curb stomp to the steps, which looked great. It, and the camera angle was perfect for it. Yes, yes. And sometimes AEW has trouble with these camera angles, and it happened in this match too. But again, there were chair shots on both women, and then uh, uh, Reba, not Rebel, or Re- whatever her name is, she was great in her role, adding when she could. And she took... 
<laughs> there was one moment where this is a very dangerous match, but Reba obviously is still the comedic element in this match. There was one moment to the outside right before uh, uh, the curb stomp happened where Thunder Rosa came by and hit Reba with a chair, and she went down like a sack of bricks. It was hilarious. I was like, good for you, girl. Sell that chair shot. <laughs> Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen the thumbtack spot with women's wrestlers. That was that was scary. I'm not going to lie to you. That was scary no matter who was in the ring because not only did you have a nasty-looking powerbomb on those thumbtacks, but then the pin on top, which is a rare thing to happen. You don't see that often. Usually they roll out of the thumbtacks because yeah. that hurts. And then after the thumbtack uh, kickout, well, you could see Britt Baker's dying. Like, she is, like, not, not acting. She's literally dying in that pin attempt. And then they start grabbing each other's hair, and they have to crawl to the outside of the ring, and they're crawling through the thumbtacks. Every time they put their hand down, they're puncturing themselves. And it was, it was tough to watch in, in that beautiful wrestling way where you're hoping both of these people are okay in real life, but as a wrestling fan, you're like, bring it on. What's next? Yeah, and Britt Baker was cut, and that blood was down her face. It was, gotcha. in, her, it was in her eyes. Gotcha. She, both of these, both of these performers... And and Rebel just really laid it all out there, said, we're going for it. And they kudos did. to them. Kudos to them. because, And the finish, Falls Count Anywhere, really felt that way because half of Britt Baker's body was under the ring. I was That was a scary moment for me. I'm not going to lie to you. That moment for me, because, again, I said last week I think Thunder Rosa is a dangerous wrestler, and that move through the table looked a little bit dangerous with the way uh, Britt Baker landed, and then immediately Thunder Rosa is ripping her body over to go for a pin, and Britt Baker sold it like a pro. She didn't move for the next five minutes, and I'm sitting there going, God, I hope she's okay. And that's what wrestling is, man, especially in these types of matches. Thunder Rosa looked like an absolute star, and Britt Baker sadly took the loss, but is the one everyone's talking about because of what she gave to wrestling last night. Nobody looks bad after that. Everyone looks perfect. And I think Thunder winning was the right call. Yeah, absolutely. So two other spots in this match, the superplex onto the chairs. Awesome. Unbelievable. And right out of a commercial break. It like we had, and now we're back and then boom, it's like, Oh fuck, we're back. Yep. And sometimes it's the spots that don't go according to plan, which look the most violent and the death Valley driver, from the turnbuckle onto the ladder did not land how they wanted it to but it looked like it killed that's the so, thing that's that's the thing when you have thunder rosa in there it's not going to go the way you want it to, I, but it's I still, still think you're I, I still think you're making this up a little bit i don't see it you know what this is tony doing a little bit of digging this is tony doing a little bit of imagining but just looking at how uh, i won't say last night because last night was a violent match so you can't tell how Britt baker Britt Baker throws a punch at Thunder Rosa a lot harder than she throws a punch at anyone else. And I think there's some feeling behind that where, like, you just slapped me in the face for real. Let me get you back. But Do you also, think maybe Thunder's okay with that? She's an MMA girl. Like, yeah, absolutely she's okay with that. But I don't know if Britt Baker's okay with that. You know, I don't know if a regular wrestler's okay with that. But I will say, after the match, if you watch on AEW, they release some YouTube footage of these two girls after the match. Thunder Rosa comes back and everyone's st- giving a standing ovation of the match. Really beautiful stuff. But the thing Tony Cavallo saw was Britt Baker literally after the match, Kenny Omega and Tony Khan are with her at ringside, and you hear Tony Khan grab her and say, this is the greatest show we've ever put on. And Britt Baker sort of laughs and starts to walk away, and Tony Khan grabs her and goes, no, no, Britt, this is the greatest main event, this is the greatest match we've ever had on Dynamite. And Britt Baker is still seeing stars at that point, so she's like, all right, whatever. And as she's, they cut again, and as she's walking away, Tony Khan is now buddy-buddy next to her. And he says the line that made me 
convinced that Britt Baker didn't want to do this and doesn't like Thunder Rosa. Tony Khan looks at her and says, I told you this would be good. And to me, that says Tony Khan tried to push this match on Britt Baker, and Britt Baker goes, no, I don't want to do this feud. No, I don't want to do this fight. I don't want to work with Thunder Rosa. And Tony I, Khan sits there and goes, no, this will be good. This is going to work. I think this is all a figment of your imagination. Because I be. told you this would be good. That might have been out of anything. Like, the context, I just think he's saying, like... I told you it would work. Like, I don't know. I, I think you're imagining things, Tony. I, I think if if me, if I had Where's to... Where's this video? On YouTube? Yeah, it's on AEW's, like, it's a it's the aftermath of the... It's on AEW's actual YouTube channel. But, Alan, if me and you, we've had to make decisions before where I've had to tell you, hey, let's do this. And if we both agree to do it after it's done, if it went well, I wouldn't tell you. I told you this was going to be good. No, no. If I had to convince you to do something, that's when I would say afterwards, I told you it would work. But but the convincing may have nothing to do with Thunder Rosa. It may have to do with the thumbtacks. It may have to do with cutting yourself. Mm. It may have to do with any number of things. They also, in that same video, have Britt Baker on the doctor's table and they're taking the thumbtacks out of her. Let me tell you, I didn't need to see that footage. <laughs> I didn't need to see that footage. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back and watch it. But the wrestling world loved it. Like, you know, uh, they had tweets from everybody. Mankind tweeted about it. Like, it, it, the wrestling world loved that match, and deservedly so. Those two women were awesome in it. And what they've done now is set a very high bar for hardcore uh-huh. women's matches. Uh-huh. Like, so... <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I'm a little nervous. <laughs> it is. A little, I mean, we already had Moxley and uh, uh, Omega beating the crap out of them, and if they have a hardcore match in any realm, they're going to have to overcome that. But now Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa goes, hey, we're here to play. And it's a little worrisome to see some of because the, there are some women in there that would be down to clown in this world. And I'm just, you know, I, any type of blood and thing always makes me a little bit worrisome no matter who's wrestling. So if I got to see the next level of this, the next step up, yikes. Yeah, well, I think you and I are, We can. I can safely say it, neither of us are deathmatch guys. No. So, yeah, I agree. But the bar is set. They, they put everyone in the locker room, male, female, anybody on notice. And they notice. gave it away for free. Yeah. On a dynamite. They gave this away for free. That's the only other thing I had a qualm about. I'm like, this is a pay-per-view event. This is something that we'd be talking about all weekend, not just on Wednesday night. But, hey, more power to a man. And that happens when you got to move stories along when you don't have pay-per-views every month. Yeah, and I'm happy about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm happy this isn't a three-month drawn-out, you know, bullshit story. I'm happy that they ended this. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have liked to see a couple more weeks of feud building because the payoff was so good. It was beautiful. But I'm happy. A-plus effort. Uh, great main event. Match of the year in AEW, in my opinion, to this point. It was awesome. Well, Tony, we'll be back next week to cover Dynamite. And mark these words. We'll see you next week. <laughs>